Hello and welcome to another episode of Grange TV. We have with us making his Ali like return to the ring, Mr. Eli Hedges, <laughs> back behind the microphone. Um, Mr. Robert Whitaker, UFC champion, Hello. decent person. <laughs> I dropped a level since yesterday. Yeah, yeah all around good bloke. <laughs> and a very, very special guest today, uh, Master Ricardo Laborio from formerly of American Top Team, um, one of the pioneers in, in um, international MMA. Um, basically, we've done everything. I'm, I can't list it. We're going to be here. We only got a few hours for the actual show, so I can't list it all. Um, you also were you one of the co-founders of Brazilian Top Team? Yes. So yes, I was. Co- one of the co-founders of American yeah. Top Team, co-founders of Brazilian <laughs> Top Team. That means I'm old. Oh, man. <laughs> very, very old. Or experienced. I think experienced. <laughs> I like the word. I would trade for it. Yeah. experience. Thank you for having me here. I really appreciate it. This place has started, man. Australia. New Zealand and Australia is two of the most favorite places in the world. You really it like really it? Is. I, I say that and I really can feel, reaffirm every time that I come over. If I had to go to Florida, you know, if I had to come over here earlier, I would stay in Australia. Australia is just absolutely, it is a, like I can say, it's a Rio de Janeiro that it's, it really it worked. All right, right, right. It really right. is like this. It's Rio de Janeiro with all the violence and everything. It's, it is really, really, really special. What is it that you like about uh, New Zealand? Uh, it started with the geography there. You know, just started. I just came from Queenstown, yeah. from the South Island. It's just absolutely amazing. It's, it's the culture, the Maori culture, the people in New Zealand itself. It's, it's so, the food, everything is, it's kind of, it match up with the, my environment, the environment that I grew up in. I, I grew up in the South Zone of Rio, which is, is the beach right there and the jiu-jitsu surfing. So Australia, New Zealand has everything to do with a guy from Rio, the South Zone at least, you know. Can you tell us in going back to that, like I guess we can start at the beginning. So South Zone of Brazil, um, how did it start? Like, like I mean, if I'm not mistaken, you started judo at four years old or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so... What would your parents do? Did your parents want to put you in it? How, how did that start? I, I was never a, a team player guy, you know. I, I think I'm the only Brazilian guy that never liked soccer. I never was a fan of soccer. I was always a fan of the Olympics and from judo and wrestling and, and boxing. Even when I was young, I was always watching those, you know, th- those sports. That was more interesting to me than, than soccer itself. And Brazil, you know, it's, you know, everybody was born with a with a ball in his feet. But I always liked that individual sport itself. And with the 14 years old, after I did judo, I but started. How did you start judo? I started with four years old. But how? But um, what? Mom, mom. It's judo. Judo is in place. Actually, BJJ took a place now that what is judo was a long time ago. Judo always was very educational. It was the build up on the character and because all the, it, it's because the systems that they have. So for a four year old kid, you put him in judo because they know, they got it down. I think BJJ catch up with that now. And in Brazil, you see everybody's doing the BJJ now. It's before that, the younger kid was doing judo and was go to teenage years, you go and started doing jujitsu. So I think things are changing now in Brazil. More systems comes in place to so how to teach the youth. But judo was what it was, and the formation of character, discipline, and and it basically the build up. 
So four years old, I start judo. And and I start after that, seeing the karate movies in Bruce Lee, I started doing taekwondo. And I went to taekwondo up to the blue belt and I stopped it and I started doing boxing. I really liked boxing at the time and was a 14 years old. I was surfing always. It's always as a self zone Rio when I grow up, you, you almost like you go to the beach early in the morning, go to the school and after that you go training jujitsu at night. This used to be the lifestyle you grow up with. And after boxing, I really, I went to a barbecue in my first girlfriend's house and I was get there and, and her uncle was the only red bell from Carlson Gracie, Master Rosado. So he saw me, I was a short, stocky kid. And he was said, you always a thick dude? Yeah, I always was thick. You know, I was short and thick. Because for people who don't know, like people go, oh, Hikaru Aborio is thick, but he's like, you're like, no, a, I'm gr- fat. You're like no, a gorilla. I'm you're fat. like I'm a fat so kid. Very stout. But at the time, it was very short and, and thick. And he said, man, you, you're going to do well in jiu-jitsu. I'm going to take you to jiu-jitsu. And I went. I remember this as it was 15 years old and nobody driving anything like that. I was taking a bus and I got there and it's just, just fall in love with this. man. How good were you at judo? No, not, not at the highest level. I don't think I had it, the mind to apply myself in competition. Don't forget this. At that time, I stopped judo when I was 10 years old, uh-huh. something like this. And I started doing taekwondo and, and a little bit of boxing. So I was five years without judo, but definitely helped a lot. You know, from the grips, I was accustomed to the grappling part like of a it. foundation for it. Perfect foundation. And judo is a great foundation. As, as a wrestling, we can go into this later, but wrestling is a great foundation for MMA because you play the stand-up part and the ground game. And judo is the same. Of course, BJJ has the background of development on the ground that judo doesn't have it or wrestling yeah. doesn't have it, the submissions. But you don't get tired. That's, that's the point. You don't get tired of working stand-up and working on the ground. And that... that- Going up and down, up and down, up and down. Like, that kills. You yeah, know that. that murders people. Murders people. We got to drill this. For yeah. the people that are not used to that, we got to drill them over and over to get him mentally prepared for that because now it's just physically, it's mental. You now know? when you just drill in wrestling or in judo, you just drill the throws. you just just drilling. Like yeah. you throw the guy and you might do that, I don't know, 50 times in a session. You stand up, get up, stand up, get up. And then when you fight, if you're not used to that rhythm, yeah. it's... Yeah. I think drilling is is a key. I think it is as boring as it sounds. You know, the the judo has and wrestling has great success for for the drilling part. You know, to make that thing mandatory. It, and there's times that they don't even roll or you know they spar. That's just drilling, drilling, drilling over and over the same thing. You just get used to it. Drilling's hard. <laughs> it's very hard. It's really hard. <laughs> And and so then you 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 started doing jujitsu there. And why Carlson Gracie was it just happenstance? Just that the fact that that person was there. Yeah, it was at the time. I didn't know who Carlson Gracie was or or jujitsu. I was just got invited for somebody that I, you know, until today I, I consider my uncle. And this is, you know, lucky to be one of the main guys of Carlson Gracie at the time. Because the Carlson Gracie line of jujitsu gave gave birth to like Brazilian top team yeah. that that created Bustamante, Marius yeah. Berry, yourself and so many other people like the people Vito Belfort and um and then so American top team came from that 
lineage. Correct. What, and I'm not saying I don't want to like offend anyone, but what do you think set that Carlson school apart? Um, his, his mentality, I think he was beyond the technique. It was the mental aspect of the game. I think he knew how to push the buttons in the right time. Every, everybody's different. Everybody's motivated differently. You know, you cannot scream to a guy who, who will not accept that in the same way. They, you know, some guys need a slap. Some guys need a pat. You know, it's, it's more like that. He couldn't understand that very well. But he always took the toughness because he was a fighter itself. You know, he was one of the best competitors, maybe the best competitor from, from the Gracies. And, and, and he combined this with the technology of, of not just technical development but also the mental push he always lets you feel that you know you can't do it more without over exaggerating you know he never he always said that you know you got to get out of the the training feeling like you want to come back in the next day and he doesn't let you kill yourself in doing it but he always keep you in the day that you can't do better than that and you always get out of there want it more for those that don't know, can you talk about that lineage? What's that? So, Carlson Gracie, and who, who are some of the guys that came out of that yeah. lineage? Well, Carlson, Carlson Gracie, you know, and now we're saying, you know, he was the guy who brought jiu-jitsu to the masses. He brought jiu-jitsu to guys that couldn't pay. There's a lot of guys there that they couldn't afford, you know, training at Baja Gracie or the Gracie like I, or there was a kind of more a elite type of a, of a teaching. And especially because in places that there were, there was not poverty around. And and Carlson brought those guys in. Carlson, and initially, um, he partnered up with his brother called Holes Gracie. And Holes Gracie, yes, he died in an accident. And there was, from there, there was a division. Um, Between? There is, at the time, Rolls has his own gym and Carlson. They are partners. But at the same place... Ross teach and Carlson teach. And at one point there when Ross died, uh, Carlinus, Carlos Gracie took it, you know, the teaching of the side of Ross students and and going away. Some guys stayed at Grace and Maitai, some guys went to Baja with Carlinus. And that was actually the division of the Gracie's, um, the Gracie schools, let's put it this way. Carlson, Baja Gracie was formed from that, from Ross, you know, lineage. And Carlson continued doing what is this thing in Copacabana. A lot of guys sustain Copacabana, and Carlson was always very, he was always very aggressive in terms of, um, let's put it this way, a Carlson Gracie guy was always going in offense instead of defense. You know, it was a different type of jiu-jitsu. It was a, it was a very aggressive force submission jiu-jitsu. Not much of a scoring of the points it was going to be for, for, for the take. When you see a Carson Grace guy, you knew there was going to be a, a war. And mainly because he's going to be, you know, after you. After you. And, and Carson developed this style of a pressure, constantly aggressiveness and, and, and conditioning at the same time. And he was able to build up the best BJJ team at my time, which we used to win everything, absolutely win all the BJJ tournaments before even IBJJF exists. 
And when the Valley 2 actually came to place, one of the things that started popping up, and after UFC, things started popping up in Japan, and the money started bringing in to that market, all our guys that was actually, you know, financially broke guys, boom, jump into the Valitudo. And he suddenly built up from the best BJJ team in the world to the best MMA team in the world. Of course, saving all the abilities that we have to learn from the striking and the wrestling and everything else. But, but Cross and Grace team really transitioned from the best BJJ with the Gi from the best MMA or Valitudo. It's Valitudo. Like I said before, it was... Previously MMA, Valitudo, Nojos Bar, and MMA. And this guy built a legacy. Every major MMA team that you see there right now is from Brazilian top team and Nogueira Brothers, Novo Neon, American top team. Um, there are so many. There are so many. You, you, you name it. There is a root of Carlson Gracie there. You know? Sorry, Rob. It seems like uh, how you were saying, though, you... you he developed the, the the most the best uh, jujitsu team, and then but it seems like the the culture of that team of aggressive going for the win like offensive would transfer transfer so well into the Valley Tudor and the and the MMA like it's just that that offensive go out there take Correct. It, aggressive Correct and the whole entire competition inside because don't forget this there was a qualifiers inside of the school. And whoever wins that qualifier usually wins the tournament. So the qualifiers inside the school is a war. <laughs> yeah. It's war. War at highest level guys competing for the weight division and, and belt. And it was a war. You have no idea. Some of the best trainings in the Sun of Bad competition was inside the gym. And Carson was there. And that was like, man, this guy was, you know, for there was this presence there. The people had the tendency to kill themselves to try to show up that belong to be there there's two rooms and if it doesn't matter if you are a black belt but if you are doing this for hobby you go to 302 and if you are blue belt but you are the highest level of competition you go to 301 and you have to be invited to go to 301 so some of those high level guys that you can even Paulo Filio, for example. Yeah. How many times I saw Paulo Filio, 13 years old, wanted to go 301, and Carlson doesn't let, let him do it. And he would sit down the stairs crying. Why don't I want to be inside that? This is to be one of the best guys yeah. of MMA and BJJ in the world, you know? Some of the best guys you can ever imagine. I another thing too, some of the, the best guys in the world I saw crying in that room. Because they go from there and they got the ass kicked so bad and you have competition next week or something like this you're mentally have a breakdown that you think you're not capable and even with that you go there and you win but from there man is is the test of your metal you know your emotions so the 301 of Carlson Grayson man it was it was hardcore thing how did Brazilian top team get formed well this is what happened from Carlson Grace's team, um, and the reality was this. I was in a bank of Brazil. and You were a banker? No, I used to work in a bank. I used okay. to be a manager at the bank. At the time, I was, you know, I was a manager in a bank. And I got an opportunity to open up this big, nice facility inside the country club of the Bank of Brazil employees. They gave us like a, a really, one of really one of the nicest places in Rio. 
It is in Leblon, which is really, you know, it's a, it's a level A type of, you know, it's like a full community. On country club, like a yeah. full, full on. So we got over there and we got this massive place. And we I mean, initially we supposed to be Carson Grace Leblon. But what happened is this. Some of the some of the high level guys, a Carlson came up with a contract for those guys to pay for thirty percent for the MMA. He wants to get thirty percent on the person of the guys, but he wasn't going over there as much. He was leaving in Florida or in Beverly Hills, I think, and he was not coming for the camps. So the guys had an agreement for him to actually, okay, you you get the ten percent if you don't need to come. Ten, your ten percent is yours, but if you want to get the thirty percent, you got to be here training us. And he talked with Murillo, Victor Belfort, you know, Maris Perry, Carlos Barreto, Victor, uh, Arona, all those guys. At the time, I used to work for the Bank of Brazil. And the Bank of Brazil, if you, if you really go back a little bit in history, Valitude at the time was a very, it's like a human cockfighting thing. It was in the beginning and everything. And me as a banker, I couldn't associate myself with it. Yes, banking's like the most no. conservative corporate thing you can do. And I couldn't do it. So they say, okay, you can train jujitsu with a sport, but you cannot do that, Valitude. Because if you do it, you know, you've got to have to choose one. Or you stay here. And I say, okay, I keep my sponsorship and I'm working with the bank, but, you know, this is, this is a safe place. And I keep training the guys. And at the time, uh, the guys, he didn't show up. At the time, there was um, ADCC. I was competing in ADCC, me and Arona. From all the guys that competed in ADCC. You competed against each other? No, no, no. We, Arona was in one division, and I went to the other one. What year was this? I don't remember. I think it was 99. Okay. But I'm not sure. 99 or 2000. Arona won the division, and I took second place. And from there, I went to Europe for a couple of times. I was, you know, traveling with my girlfriend in Europe. Murillo called me, says, Laborio, I need you to be in my corner. I'm going to fight in Japan and UFC in Japan. So I went there from, from Europe. I went straight to Japan. When we were in Japan, we find out we got kicked out of Carlson Grace. And that was, it was insane, man. We couldn't understand why. So me and Murillo, when we came back, we tried to figure it out why What's going on here? And they said, no, because I don't even, till today, I didn't even know why we got kicked out of separation. Especially because I did not fight Valitudo, so I'm not involved in a percentage of anything. But I know there's something to do with the contract, at 30% or the 10% or whatever it is there. And, but me and Murillo Bustamante, we try to go back there. I said, man, this doesn't make sense. Where are your student? You know, it's just, what is that? I said, no, I already did it. So we went both ways. But at the time, that was me coaching there. And Murillo has a school. So we were two main guys that was teaching. Mar but Murillo was a co-founder of Brazilian Top Team yeah. as well. Yeah. So when we got kicked out, we opened up the Brazilian Top Team. And, you know, Carson wasn't there. Carson was living in, in Beverly Hills. So he's not coaching the guys. We were doing it. So... It was, Arona, he's a monster, eh? Back in the day, like he was, he was he's incredible. Oh, he watching always him fight was. He was always, he was always, you know, extraordinary. Very talented, trains a lot. He always was. That's the biggest ADCC champion. Never took a, you know, never got scored a point. This guy is really, really talented. 
I remember his fights in Pride with with Vanderlei. They were they were crazy those fights. Um, I yeah. he because he won one and lost one, eh? Is that right? I thought I thought he won the. I'm a, I like Vanderlei as a fan, but I thought Arona won both. You know that the story of Vanderlei and Arona was in a breakfast, <laughs> and, and Arona and Arona <laughs> barked something like this, and Vanderlei. Oh, but we did not know that. <laughs> and at the time, that was food and be passed by the shoot. How right many here. people? Can you tell? Can you tell us? Because for who, okay, who was there? Who was there? And the yeah. table and sitting down at that table was Ninja, Shogun, Anderson Silva, um, uh, Asuario. That's Asuario Silva. Asuario yeah. Silva, which is was the guy that was supposed to be training with us at that night. It was going to fight Asuario. This is was supposed to be the main reasons of the whole the whole thing. Vandalay Silva, uh, Rujimar Fredrigo. Uh, <laughs> uh, there, there are so many other guys there. But they and were all there. They're it's, all there. They're sounds all like there. a terrible fight. Oh, <laughs> and me and Arona. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a bad fight. So I talked to Vandele. Who am I? Come on, man. What's going on? And I, we separated. We went to the corner. Are you good with Hudrima Fedrigo? Yeah. He's good. Yeah. yeah. I was just good. I couldn't understand why, why it was happening. And after that, we find out that Maris Berry actually invited the you know through we had this manager and the manager make arrangements to the opponent of Asuario come train with us at that night so it following the years that we were training the guy to beat the guy from shootbox that's what i thought it was the reason why and and from that you know that was the sparkle that was needed you know reality is our own eventually is going to be fighting Vanderlei and all the guys they're all in the same division and but when we left after that Brazilian top team came guys the guys came so now we have a Minotauro Minotauro Paulo Filio uh, Arona Murilo Bustamante that's me Maris Perry and the list goes on Alan uh, Alan Goes Alan Goes and from there goes on you know boom boom everybody was there it was even funny. Imagine that fight kicking off in the hills. So Anderson Silva tells a story. <laughs> that would have been the biggest fight. So everybody concentrated. We, we went to the lobby to try to discuss what we we're going to do. While we were at the lobby, coming down the elevator, opens the door, Anderson Silva. He looked at us. He's probably supposed to get out of the lobby. And calls to take off from there. Did we have we have a many people over there, you know. So Anderson came down the lift. Anderson came everyone. down the lift. And he, <laughs> and, guy, back up. and he tells the story. Yeah, I talked to him. He tells the story till today. He's a smart you know? man. <laughs> a smart man. man. But you know, it was all good. He built up the MMA what it was today in Brazil. You know, and nobody ever actually fought outside the rings no never had a fight outside the rings everything was inside the rings which it was and there was she was nowadays yeah we yeah, get to I, I was actually curious because it was um because that there was a lot of good fights like i i think um between the the two teams between top team and of um thing. and one of the really good fights you were talking earlier was uh i saw the fight with our uh, ninja and paulo Filho. yeah and uh that was 
like the way that Paulo Filler was at because Ninja's very good, very good grappler. Yeah. But Paulo Filler just put a seminar on, uh, on him. But you can't compete. Paulo Filler was really one of the most talented guys that I ever saw in my life. A tremendous talent. And from the get, this kid is grow up in the mats. He, that's the highest level, man. Everybody says that that guy could go to the Olympic Games that easy if he had dedicated himself to it. So Paulo is extremely talented, ferocious, aggressive, and he got it. He got it all. So I was kind of confident with him against Ninja, and but Ninja's skills is isn't striking. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know it, it could be matching up grappling. That was with crazy him. the fight. If you haven't seen yeah. it, no. I was like a, a grappling seminar. Yeah, but Ninja has the mental aspect. Yeah. But Paulo dealt too. Paulo has that, you know, never quit, never surrender type of thing. You know, so I we knew what that was going to be. Because Ninja will beat people, break them, and Paulo Filho neither. So it was it was a good matchup. It was a great matchup. What what was um what was some of the the best backstories? That, that people don't know that maybe you can share with us um uh, there's so many well that one with the uh, with the with the lift is a good one yeah um always 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 was a fan of guys that that can be killers inside and and, and personally be be a good constructed person to to the role model you know for other kids and and i think the industry should put more money to this than then actually a guy who talks trash and and behave drastically just to bring attention. This is something that, so Shogun, it was a kind of guy. Shogun was always a great guy. Even Anderson too. They were not aggressive guys of, you know, talking trash or, or misbehave or, or look crazy. They were guys that they're going over there, killing everybody, winning everything, but they're good guys. You know, I say good, not just good, good and nice. Not always nice is good. Not always good is nice. You know, he's they're, yeah. they're both, and I admire that a lot. How did then and why? Like, because it sounds like you were doing really well, the Brazilian top team and whatnot. How did you end up going to ATT or forming ATT, and and why? Well, this is at the time we just have one manager speaking English, a Brazilian <laughs> top team was Maurice Perry, so. I had a, a breakup with a girl that I was like, okay, now I'm free to travel. And I was traveling a lot at the time. We're going to Japan every month. Every month, Brazilian Top Team is going to Japan. And we had a business model there. Well, I have a lot of knowledge of, of what it would be successful team. A lot of experience of dealing with people and, and dealing with the business of martial arts itself. And I had an idea that I proposed to the guys, guys, listen, let's start to open the top teams with their flags because the American guys, they won't cheer for Brazilians or the Canadians or the Japanese. And we started popping up, you know, the top teams all over with the same guy, the same logo. And, and, and I guess, no, you know, we're concentrating on Brazilian top team. Or, and I got a proposal to go to Japan, to move to Japan, to work with, with, a, with an investor there. And I had an idea to open up the Japanese top team with the same logo. But at the same time, I traveled with Murillo to America, which I met, you know, the, the, the partner, made the proposals. And, and I went for America for three months. And from that, I proposed, hey, guys, there is a chance here for us to build up American top team. 
and they thought it was pretty interested. No, the guy tried it was pretty interesting. And and I went there to Murillo, Mario, and Babel. I say, hey guys, keep my share of Brazilian top team, and I take the name of American top team. And from, from there we go. And they thought it was great because at the time, Brazilian top team was making great money in Japan especially. But the United States, like it or not, is the capital of the world. If it works there, it work anywhere. You know, we have so, so many... So you systems. relinquished your shares? You, you relinquished your shares in Brazilian yeah. top team? Yes, I gave it to the store, and at the same time, I knew how to do it. I knew how to build up from the scratch, you know, not just high-level fighters, but, but also there is a business model behind this. And the business model, like it or not, it can be true or I can't expect Robert, you know, to be the generator of the money. Robert would be, Robert, I mean, the fighters will be a great marketing dollars. Yeah. But you have to have a product. And a product for us, it would be programs from kids, for adults, for fitness, from, from everything. And you use the, you know, the legitimacy of building up high level to the products that you have it, but you have to catch up with the business systems, stand operational procedures there that's necessary to do it. And I, my background in, in being business, a banker and whatnot. Yeah, and yeah. I went to school for business. So I knew there was something there and I knew they're American, but we got helped when did definitely the UFC blow up with the reality show, you know, and, and even with that, you, if you are not really tied them to systems in your place you can generate income from that so i was having my experience of fighting martial arts or bjj but i have my background in business in a certain way and i knew that well there's avenues here there's a couple of ways to to make some money with that you know with a good investor of course that helped a lot so i knew that american top team was a baby well and and grew As, as it is one of the biggest camps yeah in the world in the world that's it what was it like coaching at american top team being like because like there's so many personalities there's so many mm. directions there's so many high level athletes so many egos mm. um so much people management to be done so many coaches as well because like yeah. i think a lot of, well you can you tell us about it because i think a lot of people don't understand that as well oh that's that's like you sorry said. can i say one one more thing yeah, like, of course the other thing as well Like people think it's easy just to coach. Oh, you got these, these, but sometimes when you're coaching those high level guys, you're coaching a lot of egos, a lot of guys that are all American wrestlers that are walking in. They were, they've been the best guy their whole life in every single wrestling camp, yeah. wrestling comp, whatever. So what's all that like? Oh yeah. I, I always, there is one thing that I know guys is that I'm, except for coaching, coach, you have to be in a, always a studying state of mind you can't you can't think that you know everything what you have is a maturity a lot and, and i've i've been in many corners i've seen in many spotlights and i see people rise and and get to the lowest place and go back again and, and things like that 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 builds up the confidence at least to to know the track but you have to like people and i do like people i always care about people i always care about the people the person itself you know which is sometimes a default but you gotta manage that like for me it's almost like a mission i like care about it which is you know it's not just the rice it's not just the talent that when you get there because what is above there where is after that 
You know, even from that, you have to care about the people, the person itself. I want to ask you something now that you say that, because like a lot of times people only see that something that we always, we always talk about. Like you see, you know, like you see someone be at the top, you know, and they might be making a lot of money, whatever, you know, whoever, and you see it all the time. Um, and sometimes when we talk about it and you go, yeah, but you know, that guy goes home and he has to deal with the problems that he's taking home like with his wife or, you know, what, whatever. Course, like, and um, like you might see, you know, a soccer player is in a nightclub, da 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 da, and he gets caught with a with another girl or something. Mm-hmm. And although he's on ten million dollars, when he goes home, he still has to deal. Oh, with, yeah, you know, and yeah. and so can, without naming people, obviously, but can you talk a little bit about that? Like, because you would have seen this, like how I said, guys competing. What for happens the, for afterwards. UFC belt and making million dollars, and right after that, buying cars, expensive cars, instead of buying houses. That they belong. I see. I seen it all. I see guys that are making real, real money, real money from the course of their career and and losing everything for. I don't know. Maybe it's something that they they try to compensate. You know, for the time that they're spending in camps and training and all. Because we all know this is it takes mentally and physically also. And at one point you think, okay, I deserve to spend this time or to spend this money in certain things. I understand this. You see, the martial arts in, in, in fighting has a huge, huge difference. You know, some fighters that I that I had a pleasure or displeasure to, to meet, some of those guys are very hurt because the only thing that they know in life is fighting for everything and anything. So some of those backgrounds are terrible, man. You know, as... as Talented as they are physically, mentally, and they they are pretty well for that time being for for the winning and and like and the say, small amount of time you see them in the spotlight. And, and after that, what? How are you? But they're no longer in legacy? the spotlight. They're not in the spotlight, so people don't know. There is something about the spotlight. People nowadays that you know you have the social media. Social media is a spotlight, right? Yeah. I mean, is a picture that you think it, the guy is so fit because of that picture, or or your the girl is so pretty, and you know the food is so wonderful? Come on, we, we live life that's way more than just one moment, fraction of a moment. But social media just brings you into. I'm not saying this. I'm not trying to play the old school here now, man. I'm just as, as millennial as I can be. But there's so much more than, like you say, there's much more than just the highlight. There's the lows. And the lows, I think that's what do we take from all this is our ability. What do we take from martial arts, man? What I, the best thing that I learned from martial arts is my ability to put myself together after the shitstorm, after you lose, after you're not doing well, and you put yourself together and you you drive. And everyone loses. And everyone loses in many different aspects yeah, yeah, yeah. in life. Sometimes, sometimes you're winning even in matches, but your life is terrible. You know, life is is a mess. People find drive in everything, but how you put yourself together, how you really find that comfort zone that you know that your friend is your friend, not just because you win, because your friend is your friend, and the, from from everything, from from and. And above all, because who you are, who you are, you know, not just who, not just what you want in life. There's, there's so much into this, you know, that you can take it from it. But get yourself together, gather your pieces, and and move on, 
that's the best lesson that you can teach a kid. You know, that's the recipe for success is just Absolutely. so quick. You know, that's what I, I take a lot. And I take a lot of that. You know, about so much shit that happened to me. <clears throat> you know, thinking <clears throat> it's just about, oh, you build up American top team. You build up Brazilian top team. You're building up something else. <laughs> what about my fails? I failed so much. The only difference is I failed and I kept on going. You know, so many times I thought about, well, you ever thought about getting out of martial arts or, you know, or fighting or, or BJJ? But I can't. It's something that I love it. This is something that it's me. It's hard sometimes, you know. You know, that's, it's an industry that's small. Yeah. There's not too much money in this industry. There's a couple things that you can, oh, that's so much more than that. This is who I am. This is part of who I am. It's my legacy to, you know, to, to, to my life. Well, what I have done it, but I'm never, I can never get out of there. So it's easier for me, you know, and I think it's going to be easier and easier when I get older, because when you get older and you have a passion, you have a reason to leave, to live, you know, some people, yeah, 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 some people mean. really, my father was one of them. My father worked in a bank and when he retired and he was not the superintendent in a bank anymore, he was like. What the heck? What I'm doing now? But that happens with fighters. Oh yeah, and that aren't really their identities yeah. just in the fight, not in the martial arts, but just in the fight. And the problem with that is you stop fighting maybe 35, and 35 years old, you're a baby. Yeah. It's not like you're. Yeah. Oh, this is yours as well, by the way. Either or, it doesn't matter. I don't <laughs> care. But I'm just saying to you. But Fab, like like this guy, is he doing a podcast? Is not a one of avenues. He's maybe promoting, maybe teaching, maybe scorner maybe business owner there are so many avenues inside of business that we're in it you just got to find a passion and and drive into it you know and and study research who's doing well why they're doing well how we can can maintain and be more creative to keep on doing well you know there's so much to do it's that some of the guys live like your career never going to end spend all the money that you made it in a lifestyle and don't, you know, own anything, you know, and not dedicate themselves to anything. There are so many people with so many options that they end up not sh going straight on anything. I think um, kind of like we were talking before when you said nowadays, and I said like it'll be interesting to, you know, talk. You you've seen that cultural shift with um, trash talking. With I mean, trash talking has always been around, yeah. but I think like it's it goes to levels, you know, where going back to what we're saying, like. There's, there's a life outside of MMA, and that definitely has has to affect, like, I, I don't know, sometimes I see stuff, stuff people say, and I think, like, if I if I said that now, you know, I'm almost 40, if I said that now and I went to my house, my mum and dad would sit me down. Yep. Now, today, and like, no, my dad's almost 80, yeah. you know, and they, my dad would have something to say, you know, and I think, like, some of those, like, there's still life outside of the fight and i think yeah great maybe like it puts eyes on the sport but you have to live like that and in a team you know in a big team like att and whatnot you have a lot of different people coming oh, through tons. and so so there is like a tons. like and you have to respect that you, yeah. you do have to respect understand this man i'm i'm going to fight business and you have to understand the character there's a character you got to create that you have to it's almost like a play but do you understand that it's it's 
there's limitations, there's lines that you don't cross. You don't cross the line that you're going to be picking on somebody outside, you know, outside that that wiggle room of a, of a fighting. If you're in a press conference, you say something or he says something, because everybody says he's going to win, you know? And yeah, some yeah. guys are going to be more emphatic in how they're going to win, and they're going to destroy. And some guys are really good and be comical. There's some guys that are funny. Yeah. Like Conor McGregor. Guys, he's funny. Yeah. He's a smart, he's a funny guy. He's attractive to hear and say. But there are some guys they're not. Some guys you're seeing the blueprint of the guy makes millions. Well, if I punch that guy in the face, what's gonna happen is suddenly in the backstage people can start punching each other in right now. It's going too far and, and it crosses the line is of respect. And you remember this. That's the line. The line is the line of the law. If you cross the line and you did something you're not supposed to do in law, you, you should get arrested. And that's what it is, you know? But people are doing anything for for the 15, that's not even 15 minutes, 15 seconds on, yeah. uh, on, on your social media now that people are talking about you, you know? And you don't forget that if you have kids and if you have people that you think you influence, like for you, Robert, you're, you're representative of Australia. You're not just representative of a, you represent a whole country. And if you have goals to give, I'm not trying to be, this is who I am. I'm, I'm not trying to, to picture something right here, right now. And I've been dealing with so many high-level guys from, from all corners of the world and with different personalities, with different backgrounds. But, but one thing I see it, man, is try to behave as, as you want your kids to behave. And you have a line of common sense. That's, sure. that's exactly my, my, um, one of my biggest things like what that I think about when I go to day-to-day activities or when I have to do a media thing here or how I want to conduct myself or this person said something about me. It's, it's exactly what you just said. It's like, just act how you want your kids to act. That's the line of common sense for me. Yeah, if you have something you doubt about, it, if your kid was going to do the same thing, why do you want your kid to react? If you want your kid to react that way, give the example and do it yourself. That's the line of common sense, I think. You know, and I live my life with that. And I live my, and I try to teach this. It's hard to teach this to some of the guys that don't have it, a background of, of, of upbringing, you know. But if you try to line up a life with someone, at least one, you know, it's, you're successful anyway. And, and that's what I, that's how I try to inspire. When, when, um, when the situation happened, because um, I, I remember reading about this when Colby Covington spoke about Brazil. Was there a division at American Top Team after he was? I, I was. I left American Top Team you before already that. Yeah, before that. But everybody thought that I was leaving. That I was there. So people started hitting me up with direct messages all the time. Why you let this guy doing this? And I responding thousands of thousands of messages. I'm not there anymore. I'm not there anymore. <laughs> I'm not there anymore. You know, and tell those guys that you're not there. But I was I was out already. And it's okay. Man, I know Combe Com was in his corner from the first I brought him in to American Top. See, I was in his corner the first time. You know, he is he I think he got inspired by the blueprint and try to make money. But like I said, some people had that personality, that character to make it happen. Well, he dig in into, into the point that he was there in the interim championship. You know, he, he was successful in a certain way. 
well, what do you live from that? What is what is the legacy that you live from that? It's something that it's up to him to to you know to evaluate. You, and said you, you go to sleep with it. You said you brought him in. Uh, how did you? What was your? Oh yeah, there was a tryout, and I put him in. Wow, this kid is good. Bring him into America. He's a gun wrestler, isn't he? Yeah, he's a good wrestler. He's a good wrestler. And uh, he's a talented kid. You know. Do you, did you work closely with Masvidal? Oh yeah, because he's one of I've always thought oh, he's yeah. one of my favorite. Yeah, this is my watch. boy. George is my boy. George is having problems, and I started working on him, and the ways to keep him now and evolve from that. George is a championship rated, but he, people they don't yeah. know what you just said. Yeah. That everybody bet with me who was going to win out of him and Darren Till. It wasn't me. It was you. No, it was not. Yeah. We it bet. Was not. I said Mas, I said Masvidal <laughs> was going to no, win. No, 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 no. That's I said, not fair. I said. I said he, he backed Darren. No, 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 no. I said I dose. You lost the bet, mate. It's exactly like you said before on social media. You show people what you want them to see, yeah. and it looks like he was distracted. But did I say he's oh, remarkably well? Don't go throwing me under the bus like just, that. Just pay George, it. I'm on your team. Please don't. Just pay the money when you can. <laughs> it's still owing the money. <laughs> listen to this guy. Wow, boys, listen. Wow. Mazri is a type of guy that he's man. He's he's a to scrub he has pleasure in doing it he has pleasure in to get to scalps in, in the fights it's sometimes I even he is that thug street fight type of guy that you have to always brother come down get up <laughs> sit down you know because he will get in fights unnecessarily but he's always mentally ready he's smart too like smart, yeah, smart. Like but he's always mentally ready for a fight I'm telling you that's the guy who's not going to back up for him. He's going to take the best guys there is out there, not just for the money, which is also he look up to it. He, he really is a business guy, but he wants to challenge. You know, he, he takes pleasure in fighting. You know, it's not just the, the competition. It's not just the spotlight. It's not just the money. He takes pleasure in fighting. You know, he, he's going to be a good coach too. He's a good guy. He's a good coach. People don't know him well, and he's a good father. You know, he's a good, you know, he's a good uh, provider. Let's put it this way. He's doing a lot of this for the kids, and he put in his mind, and boom, Masvidal. I have a question because I think there's a, there's a um, interesting Romero yeah. versus Rob, and you were in the cage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a great fight, though. It was. It, it was. But you weren't involved for Romero too. No, I wasn't. Do you want to talk for, for the first fight? For the first fight. With first Rob? of all, we try to break down Robert a lot you know there was a lot of the striking it's an unorthodox style for Rob which is punching moving in and it was it's hard it's hard to connect because same time you get in to try to get punches because it's, it's really hard to punch you wait for you and punch back you know what I'm saying oh get out and I'll punch over here you got almost like punching at the same time you're getting in which is really hard but you always out you know, Robert's here. Yeah. I want to give him some some tips for the for the next fight. No, I'm not gonna go over there. But the angles that you explore is you know, I always told him is don't count this kid out. Don't count him out of the fight. Did you feel that they were because you, you always get back stronger? You started building up from the second, third, fourth, fifth round. It's when Robert boom put it up. You know, but so you did, can't. Did you feel that your will was underestimating Rob? No, 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 no. I don't think so. 
No, I just asked because uh, you really said don't count him out. That's no, don't count him out. It's like don't think that your first round is like, oh, no, okay, okay, okay. The first round and second round was not going to be the respect of the fight. Yeah, the yeah. First and second round are, is not the fight. Robert started coming for the fight at third, fourth, and fifth. That's what it is. You know, that's when he builds up because mentally and physically is in a different level. You know, and that's nothing enough that he was the champion. For, for for that first fight with Romero, like I thought that that game plan was spot on. I thought that was amazing because Romero's yeah, that was great because it slowed slowed me down a lot, and then I had to be wary of it the whole my ankles. Like he would just disappear in front of me, oh. and then I'd have to start fighting. But I will tell you something: the worst part is that we couldn't, he couldn't take you now like we thought we would. You know, we thought we really mm. your your takedown defense was impeccable, man. You know, you were there, or even when you, today we're talking about this, even if it takes you down, you're popping up like this and never out, which is super hard. So a body like Rio Aerometo, take you down, you stay down, and you're boom, 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 backing up in, you know, it's to take a toll, like we're talking about this, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. down, up, down, up, down, up, and, and you know, I was not young. That's the reality, this, you know, he's not young, he's not getting any younger either. Although he's just, his condition, he is a freak. He's a freak of the nature. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you this. Yo, I was a freak of the nature. I was telling you this. I think he's the most talented athlete that I work with, you know, genetically. He really is a freak. Yeah. But, you can tell. He looks pretty good. <laughs> this guy is for a, for a 40-year-old man, 42 yeah. now, right? Yeah, something like or that. Something yeah. like this. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard. What... what um. So, so the the what training like what stuff had you practiced for Rob? What I thought you gotta try to make you back up, you know, to try to back you up and it started striking from there. No giving too much chances of of a try to strike after you strike because you're not gonna be there, you know. Um, that's that's was basically what a Robert punches and go back and punch again and get out in a different angle. You explore angles pretty well and distance pretty well. Pop, boom. And he, the, the guy's not there anymore. So it's moving in to do something. But the main goal there is definitely taking down and keeping a little bit at least, you know, in the end all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't work. <laughs> I thought Romero fought better in the first fight than the second fight. I, I feel that the second fight, it was a war. Like, it was like mm. uh, the first fight, I thought, you know, fights are funny like that. You know, the first, me in my opinion, was like to the skill. Like, the skill was both both guys trying to do different things with skill. And the second fight was like they, ro I, I, the, 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 the strategy in that first two rounds for Romero, which it was very, very slow with it. He he wore a lot of punishment as well, and then it was a different the the those those next ten those next five rounds I thought was more like who took the the punishment Wrong. better. It, it yeah. was it was it was a different kind of fight. Yeah, they I, were both amazing fights. I, I think I, I th I it was an amazing fight. Both I, it was both. it was amazing demonstration of heart for both of you guys. Yeah, I thought the first fight was very technical. It was about who, yeah, but, yeah. who could push either game plan yeah. like the way they wanted it, and it was yeah. a tight, very close fight. Yeah. In the second fight, I feel like Romero came out with a game plan that was like he he knew he was going to take punishment. Like he he was willing to take take the shots and 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 go through with them. And it's like 
I don't, like it, it, that's a that's a hard that's a hard game plan yeah, to. It's almost to, like a brawl. Yeah, yeah. He, he turned it into a brawl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, and he, he he can he can take pain too, eh? That yeah. guy. He's so tough. <laughs> yeah, he is. Oh, he's, he is. He's so tough, man. He's like a truck. He does. He does. <laughs> he does. He's, he does a lot of con- people don't know about this, but he does a lot of conditioning, man. A lot. You know, I think your L must. You know, like most of your Elvis is the conditioning that, that he does. You know, do you know the style of a Cuban, you know, athletics that goes there and, and do all this, you know, almost like a CrossFit and steroids. Just go over here, bring a bring a chain and go over there, get the cane. And from there, you get so much operation inside the Cuban strength condition. That's not even funny because they don't have too much... It, Technology. Let's put it this way. So it's it's a lot, and people that actually survive the push, the pressure, you know, got in condition like that. I went I went to the institute in Cuba for about two weeks there. I was and yeah, it's and and the just the level of athletes that yeah, they have there, yeah. it's it's it's, yeah. it's insane. It's it's a way to rise above the foam, you know. You know this, you know. You can eat better if you're a good athlete there. Yeah, it's, if it's you're the first scene there is. And, and the, that. But the level of talent that they just have in at that institute, it's it's insane. Like the like the the practice rooms and that are just packed. And with they started talent. very young. They picked them up very young. That kind of break down with the kind of skill ability that you have it. And they put it in a room. Now you're gonna be a wrestler and you're gonna train wrestling for your whole entire primary school to you know, to college. You're just doing this. You weren't with him in the second fight. Uh, because you were no longer at ATT? No, yeah, I was no longer at ATT, and I was in Orlando. It was kind of hard to go down there, you know. I got a, I got along with him pretty well. What uh, do you think uh, will happen? Do you think uh, Who do you think will win this second fight with him and Jacare? I don't know if this fight is going to happen. Okay. I'm, okay. Not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I heard a couple of things. I think maybe he, maybe something happened to you. Well, I don't, I'm not sure. pretty sure. That first fight was crazy. <laughs> were you there for the yeah, first fight? Yeah. Well, that that's yeah. It was it was tough as he. Jacare is a is a monster. That monster. That spinning yeah. back fist that hit Jacare <laughs> yeah. would have decapitated most people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it was yeah. it was so big. It was yeah. such a big shot. Yeah. Jacare pulled guard. Like it was cool. Like, yeah. It was amazing. We've thinking this. What are your here, thoughts here on, you, on the fight for this fight? The second no, one. First one. Uh, the first one, it was like this. I thought Yoel, you know, could get... Because Jucker punches like a mule, too. Yeah. It's a truck. Yeah. But I think Yoel could be faster. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yoel could be faster in and out. And then punching and take less damage than Jacques Arret, And eventually take him down some way, somehow. He could, or at least not get takedown. Mm. With the push, the fight stand up. What I thought that Yoel had a better strike ability... At least faster, you know. Sometimes it's not very he accurate. Gas out because you try to grant him yeah. pound. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, yeah. you know, what blew me away was when Yoel landed that spinning back yeah. fist, and then went completely insane berserk in the, in the guard, yeah. yeah. grand and pounding. And Jacare survived. Survived. That Jacare man is. And he came back tough, and won the third. Jacare is a top. Exactly. He came back stronger. <laughs> It's mental. It's, it's mental, I'll tell you. Zachary is another guy in a different level of skill and, and, and ability. He really is. 
Jack Harry is training, man, with with passion. I have the chance. He's training with the student of my student there in Orlando. And I actually brought Rodolfo Vieira, who's another judo guy, jiu-jitsu guy, to train with him. And and it may be Bruno Malfacini, some of those guys that I trained there. And I had the pleasure to deal more with Jacare than I was recently. Recently, you know, doing it before. He's so skilled. You know, he's a natural skill. You know, not just body, but he takes pleasure in training. He takes pleasure in I'm, I'm going. And he, he's also championship material. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. a whole bunch of guys right there yeah. that, are, that are right right up at yeah. the top. Yeah. Weidman, for instance, he he's lost his like three or four, like three, three of the last four, something like that. But he's right up there. Look, like, when he loses, he yeah. just loses. Were you with Romero? Yes, I was there. What was with the Romero. plan there for? That's Romero? what. That's what it was. Four of his last yeah. five. Yeah. Reality is that for your for Weidman, like he's fight Weidman is in a certain way easier than fight Robert. Okay. Why you is know, that? What would it because of the traditional boxing skills that in and the wrestling ability. We knew that wrestling for UL was going to be different level than than Chris, and it's striking too. You know, it's a different. It's you know, it's in a different level than the Chris in a certain way. In wrestling. And and it's yeah, striking. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. striking. Yeah. You know, we should be. He's very dynamic. The, yeah. Yeah, we should be take. You know, be careful with the with the jujitsu part because definitely Chris is more well rounded on the ground. But I was not worried stand up or the takedown, the fast or the takedown itself. Yeah, you you had faith your will get back exactly. up exactly. But the point was, hey, keep this fight standing until the point that now he's using something to his ability. Yoel has great elbows. People don't know that, but he has some fancy things there that he throws once in a while when you just think that you're going to try to take him down i've i've seen a lot of his fans yeah, yeah. i took three yeah. flying knees <laughs> in that first fight one after the other <laughs> like, i've never seen he that before survived this guy like, man this kid is tough as nail. no very, very holy mud <laughs> yeah very very he really tough. is it's it's mental and mental robert it's just your skill ability there is your your physical your technical abilities but how are you teaching the mental you game like this? You can, you know, you, you just can. That's uh, that's that's championship material right there. I have a, I have a lot of respect for you. The water's got yeah. muddied last fight just because of all the muck around and everything that went yeah. down. But I've got a lot of respect for his skill set and just he's he's been fighting for such a long time. He's yeah. fought such big names. He's had such a tan. Yeah, like he's yeah, he is, and he is he he is a good person in essence. You know, he got good means. You know, he's just sometimes if he was a little bit younger. I think he he could hang it in there a little bit, you know, longer. But he got he got his mission accomplished, and you know he get to the top of the things. He still got a chance to try to go there and try to get something. But it, he makes his money, you know. He's won his what eight of his last nine fights. Like, yep. No, ten fights. Yeah. In in theory, so if were this fight to go ahead with Jacare, what, what do you see? How do you see it? What's a, what would be the? What I say to him is just stay away from the ground. With Jacare. Oh but Jacare's been looking good in his stand-up oh, yeah. lately. Oh, yeah. He's been oh, ripping yeah. that body and he, and he punches hard, man. Yeah, yeah. And he the, punches hard. Those two guys, their last Rob fights... Rob him as well, yeah. yeah. Yep. Those, yeah. Those, those two guys, their last fights have been very physical. Very, very physical. Yeah. They've taken a lot of damage. So I'm just... Like, I think I think that'll just be a war. But to go back to, to Chris Wildman, I think the damage... I think something went wrong after Rockhold fight. 
with Chris Whiteman. And from there on, it was, you know, was was Yoel, is it? But the, the shots that have put him out have been thrown by the <laughs> like juggernauts of the of the Jacare, Romero, Rocco, yeah. but like especially Romero and Jacare, like they like Romero with that flying knee. Yeah. That that would be it'd have to be equivalent to getting hit by a car. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. You know, and then and yeah. same with Jacare, yeah. like a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, and then Jacare landing a massive right yeah. bomb. That would be the same. Like yeah. those shots. You can't you, hope to really come out. You're well. right about Rob. Rob. Those guys are bigger guys, especially for 185 division. You're a big guy. Some other guys are big guys, but it's not everybody has the same stature. You know, I mean, Gustelon is not. It's not but Jacques he's thick. He's thick, but take a look at Jacques hand or Yoel's or you know, bone structure. Yeah, it's it's and there are some other guys too, you know, that's like this. If you can't understand how those guys drop down in one eighty five. Well Rockhold's at two oh five now. Rockhold's yeah. tall. You know, but he's going to two five. I always thought uh Weidman was he's a big guy. Weidman's he's a big guy. He's a huge he's guy. He's a huge guy. He's a huge guy. How do you see this? maybe too big for one eighty five? It, it mean, could be that yeah, as well. You see him you see him come in the way and he's a little drawn. He's a little drawn, but he he always comes back and moves very well. But he just then gets Rob, hit. Rob is bigger than people. Like you know, when you read in the forums, oh, Rob's a small middleweight, but he's he's like not a small thick. middleweight. No, no, no. Mm. Rob is not a small. No, nah. but people say that. People say that, and then I think like just not very tall. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're not very close, tall, but you are tall. Yeah, you're not sure. <laughs> tall enough. You're not yeah. sure. Yeah, and when you when you're up close and you see like he's he's. Thick, mm, you know, he's yeah. a very, very thick person, and people don't don't realize that. And athletic, as well. Yeah. Who, who do you think in this fight, Adesanya and Gastelum? With Robert Gastelum, what do you mean? Uh, because Adesanya is fighting oh, Gastelum yeah. for the interim belt. Yeah, <clears throat> I I really think um, it's, it's going to be so hard. I think if definitely Gastelum stand up in this fight would would. Uh, what is his name? I'm sorry. The New Zealand. Adesanya. 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 It's, it's, you know, it's giving it too much chances. Of course, you're going to have to trade punches. Of course, you're going to have to get in a mix. But Gasolin has to use some of the wrestling and, and jiu-jitsu abilities there, you know. And we all know that kid is highest level of a striking. But he's still be, you know, be supposed to be tested on, on the wrestling side. Did or you have anything to defense. do with Marvin Vittori? Because Marvin Vittori trains at American top team. When he fought at the Senya? No, 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 okay, no, cool. no. It wasn't nothing to do with that. Um, so I think, let's put it this way, you know, Castellano has to come with a good plan. It has to be a good strategy to come up with it, you know. He's training with the Kings MMA, which is really one of the best strikings there, right? Um, and And, but at the same time, I don't think he should stand up as much, you know, and, and try to see how that goes. It's, it's just not smart enough. I think you've got to bring it, show enough to, to be respected, and after that, you throw the mix there. You know, some takedowns and work some on the ground, some ground and pound. And, and like I said, you know, he at the same is to, to be tested on on his takedown defense and, and as much time he's passing on the ground. So there is a chance level, you know, in, in the striking skills, man. I, re I really think that he's special. Did you, did you see? Um, did you see Gaslam fight Weidman? 
No, I don't. Okay, well, I think I think if Gaslam has that sort of approach, like stays on the outside, mm. tries to creep in, land left shot, with more of a wrestling threat, that'll be like the perfect fight style for to, against someone mm. of Adesanya's caliber, like striking expertise. Yeah, well, I I think somebody like you can go with Adesanya and can play in all the levels of the game. But you have to actually be skilled enough, like you, especially on these angles and distance, you know, and all this, in all those corners that you can take it. If if you're too, if you're too orthodox approach for striking to fight a guy like a Desan or Anderson Silva, man, he's gonna he's, he's just gonna make you a fool, you know. If you go to old style Muay Thai, just only that, it's you know, in and out. It's going to be a problem. But somebody who can move and who can cut corners and he can actually throw it in unexpected there, there's a much better chance. And you got to throw the mix. you got to make him guess. you got to make one of the less unexpected. You boom, you take him down and you test him from there. You know, if it's one time during the fight, you, you've got to figure it out a way to, to change the game a little bit and not just to. To, to show more. The Sena is one of those million dollar guys. They're not bulletproof tested yet. Yeah. Making, yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, like, yeah. it's not, you're not saying something that's yeah. not true. You haven't seen him. Yeah. That, that's you know, more He like may that. well be. Yeah. He won Anderson Silva, but Anderson, we know that Anderson is not in his prime right now. Mm. We, we all know that. And I think Anderson Silva. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, we'll be really beating the Sena right now. You know, we never know this, but that's he's the new generation of a striker coming into the game. But he still have to be seeing how it goes against a more mixed martial oriented guy. Uh, it's it's going to be a very interesting fight. I think I, I think like I said before, I think it's going to be a whitewash. But I don't think it'll be close. But I don't know who will win. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if Adesanya keeps him in the distance and starts striking and hurting him, I, I, I can't see Gastelum winning. But I also see that if Gastelum is that much better, if, if he is, I don't know that he is, if he can start that grappling, the wrestling, the getting up, down, up, down, up, down, hurting him and that, I, I think it's going to be very hard for Adesanya to... Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes it, it's like that doesn't mean you're not good. It just yeah. looks... But you understand this, Fab. What you're saying is this. We all know that Adesanya is the high-level striker. Yeah, yeah. And if you stand up with him, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a war. At least you're going to find difficulty to win. Yeah. But Adesanya is, a, is an incognito in his abilities to defend takedowns and, and work on the ground after a while. Because that's another thing, too. Is this mental game is tested... Is this ability to go down and up, down and up, down and up after 25 minutes? It's yeah, you know, it's there. He hasn't really fought anyone with high level grappling. Yeah, yeah. Brunson, like with a yeah, but, with a great yeah. threat. Of, yeah. Of, of, yeah, of of that. Yeah. Were you there when Brunson fought Romero? Yeah, I was there. Because that 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 Brunson, like he went on a tear after that, where he yeah. won five five in a row, and then he fought Rob. But um, that's probably one of Brunson's best fights that, yep, I, that I've was. seen. Took him down many times. I was there. What? That's where he started working more in the takedown defense. Because at the time, Yoel, there was no, 
there was no integration on his game. It was a striking or takedown or ground. He was not know how to do the transition. Just come from striking to transition to to the takedown or defend the takedown or so there is that little gap that was missing on his game a lot, you know, about strike but be ready to defend, strike be ready to take down. That was a little microsecond there that you have to switch the game or be ready for defense. And he didn't have it at the time. It was started to develop the skills from there, you know, and the ground power too. But you know, it's a genetic freak, like we're saying. This is really, you know, it's just out of this world. That was a good fight to watch. It was. When, when Rob fought Romero, was... He was, he was losing that fight. I was in a corner saying, man, mm. you got to win. If you don't knock out this guy, we're losing this fight. If you see me in a corner, I was telling him, hey, you lost this round. You, you, you're losing the round. Yeah. If you don't win now, we're done. And he went there and boom, knocked him out. And all with the elbows there. Do you remember? Again, and, and, but Brunson had, kind of, I think he'd also started a gas as well. Like he started to come down yeah. and Romero just kept, same pace, just kept coming. Yeah. When, when, you, when Romero fought Robin in the first fight, was the plan to take him down and ho- try and hold him down? Did you think? No, initially. We got to test, you know, see stand up because Joel was skilled stand up too. Monster. People don't know that, but you know that Joel's father was a boxer. His brother's a boxer. And his brother is a world class boxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he trained boxing when he was young. Yeah. Since he was young, he was training boxing. So people don't know that. You know, he got great, great Muay Thai and, and kickboxing kicks too. But he got a great understanding of distance and angles, especially being a softball. People did not know. People really just get this guy as a as a wrestler, and and that's what it is. And he got some submissions too, but definitely it would not be the smartest thing in the world. You know, I knew in one thing about Rob. I watched all those fights. It's, it's from Bronson and other guys. Everybody who subestimated this kid, you know, had a very regrettable weekend. You know, everybody thought it was oh man, I crushed in the first round. I, and he comes hungry. No, just be smart. Just be smart. You know, don't take the first rounds as you know the X-ray, the blueprint for the whole fight because he's gonna change. He rises above. You know, and we knew that. So in one point during the fight, yes, definitely, I thought the wrestling would make difference. Thought we we're gonna be taken down and keeping you down a little bit longer, especially in the end of the rounds and starting next one. Because we knew that he could hang it in there with the striking part. We did not know his ability to defend takedowns would keep him stand up the whole time. You know? So that yeah. was our a bit of our game plan too. Like we were we were very happy to give up the first and second rounds, like if yeah. we had to. Not give him up, but yeah, yeah but, we, we but thought of course Romero was of gonna course. be the strongest. Was we thought Brunson the same thing. We thought Brunson's going to come out. Yeah. With all with all respect to Brunson, but we knew that he couldn't stand with Rob, and we knew that he thought he could. Do you know what I mean? And um, I, I remember saying to Rob, and I remember because we were in the corner and seeing it. I remember Rob hitting him like with a like, like a kind of like a jab, like yeah. I'm doing like an uppercut jab yeah. for the people that can't that can't see <laughs> what I'm doing. Can't work this yeah. out. No, no, because they might be just listening. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so like a like a kind of like an yep. uppercut jab, but it was so much faster, you know. And I knew right and there. And he wasn't after this. He wasn't there anymore. Because that's one yeah, thing about Rob. Gone. He's gone. done. Boom, and you're gone. Yeah. And whoever thinks that okay, I can get out and get in. See and, you later. And then Brunson 
went for the that started with the takedowns and I, I didn't think he was going to do what he did like because he went crazy i don't know if you, you would you would saw, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah so he went crazy in that first fight and we were watching it and i remember saying that me and alex were talking in the corner and we were like i don't like we were like thinking about us we we're like what's he doing because he wasn't like it didn't look pleasant but he wasn't hurting rob you know and if you yeah. throw 10 punches yeah. like yeah. this man you got to come back there was a five-round fight you know, so so it was that kind of plan, but we knew Romero would be too experienced. Like he, was, you know, he's been to Olympics. He medaled in in like every every tournament for ten years. So he's someone that knows how to compete. We thought the biggest thing we were like, if he takes you down, well, as soon as you land, don't don't stop. As soon as you land, you yeah. got to pop back yeah. up and make him work for every yeah. takedown. And um, if you can, if if Romero could do that for five rounds, good yeah. luck. You know. He deserves it. <laughs> yeah, but then we also we got to be careful when you are striking because exactly it's funny you say that because we also knew that when he blasted, like when Rob blitzed in, mm -hmm. that Romero was going to be waiting to hit him. Then yeah, I, we knew that he, when Rob was coming in, and a couple of times that, that collision did occur. Right. We knew that we just we knew that he was smart. We knew that he had good people around him, so it was it was going to be very interesting. But we we thought the first two rounds even halfway through the third yeah. it, it could yeah. be done most of Romero's finishes are in the third round what people don't know is usually you know in the, not in a five round fight not, in a five round. Not, not for the championship material yeah. it is the third that takes a lot of stuff yeah you turn around in the third and the fourth and the fifth you know it's and even if you if you win the third and the fourth the tendency is that you actually go to the fifth even even stronger or even definitely the most important fight third and the fifth the most important rounds in this championship fight they, Romero's finishes just in the UFC have all been in that third round which is he could um, but then you can say all of that and if I try and you do it he'll kill me it. <laughs> but, but, but Rob's got the ability to do it you can't say anything but it, it's not everybody who can put nah, nah, in it has perspective to be someone, nah. it, it's so yeah. It's so hard. You have a game plan and you can train everything when you get there. What is going to make the difference is your mind, your state of mind. And this is what we're talking about. It's somebody like you. If you could actually teach a kid, and a very different skill, but if you could actually teach a kid how to overcome frustration, because all of us, we all have frustrations, right? But imagine if you actually could verbalize the feelings that during the fight and you can break down a point void because he lost a match or whatever it is. First kid to not be desperate in your mind, to try is not a way to quit. And you turn yourself into a world champion, high level world champion. You know, you're keeping in there, fighting the best in the world because you fought the best in the world. But imagine if you were frustrated with the whole game. You know, imagine if you lost, maybe you never lost before. Maybe, you know, Chris Weinerman is a good example of that. And I don't hate to cite him because I'm a big fan of Chris. But imagine if a Chris couldn't handle frustration of losing it and, and it come in a sequence of, of losing streaks because frustration settled in, you know. And, if and you frustration's going to come. It's, 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 it's how you do oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But frustration, try to replicate frustration during training and the overcoming frustration feelings during training 
is that the key of a good good camp? I'm not saying you have to replicate the pressure, but you have to replicate frustration. Sometimes we used to do something that we called the, you know, we, we put an airdyne. Instead of actually put the guy to train and massacre themselves. We bring a guy with an airdyne and you do the sprints and airdyne and you have to go there after you're tired. They have to have somebody on the top of you and you have to deal with your own frustration of being tired. You know, you've got to go to the... <sighs> Instead of just train hard that you can possibly get hurt, you replicate the yeah. exhaustion and you have mentally to overcome frustration but how you can break down just to a kid who feels frustrated right now and can this is can help so many people man you know the sport can help so many people in so many different levels you know i'm talking about therapy if you know how to use this this is going to be therapy to people man. on on that on the on the thing of therapy you also have a a program for or you had a program for children with a uh, provisionally impaired yeah, for yeah my, my daughter is visually impaired my daughter was one and a half years old she ended up having two surgeries and end up blind and we started working with the vision impaired. she wasn't born blind no she wasn't born blind she had a a, a genetic disorder called a cranial stenosis which is you, the soft yeah. spot closest before time and the you know the brain grew inside of the, the skull but the skull was closed and the press of the optic nerve that's what she ended up on but I didn't lose her. That's an, that's another thing too. That is in my personal life, and every one of us has a personal story. But in my personal story, man, if it wasn't for the competition itself, because I lost before, you know, I, I love this thing so much. It taught me so much. I lost, but I, I never quit. You not say it's pleasurable, especially if you're a winner, especially if you're a champion. You don't want to win. You don't want to lose. Attrition settle in. You don't think you were terrible just because you lost. You just have a bump in the row and, you know, that's what it is. Part of the game. Let's go. And if you learn how to live with that, you know, learn how to lose and keep on going. That's to say that that's the key of success, you know. That's the key of success, man. It's just keep on going. And what happened with my daughter, man, I have so many stories about this, but it's, it's just, it's like a loss. You lost it? Fuck it. The war is not over yet. And it's just keep on going. I still can come home and hug my kid, you know? You only have one child? Yeah, I have three kids, but there's two of my wife's previous relationship that I raised since I was six years old. So they are, they are, they are my kids. There's no other folks. It's just me. So I raised them more than 20 years now. I got more than 20 years now. And, um, and they're my kids. She actually... My daughter came over to, to New Zealand in Australia. She's she, senior? She was 25 years old, oh. birthday, and I brought her in to New Zealand. And, and we stayed there for South, in the South Island for a week. And I brought her to Sydney, and we had a great time. She just got back home. <clears throat> so with that is, we work with the Vision Affair. We have, a, we have this collaboration with the National Federation for the Blind there. And jiu-jitsu number one self-defense yeah. for training with down sight for structures of vision repair well when i moved to orlando and i moved to orlando because of because of my daughter we were in a pursuit of better program for vision repair my daughter was tested and we found out the kid is gifted so in south florida that was pretty bad the school system there is it's pretty hard because as much as they wanted to help 
They don't know how to deal with a visually impaired kid in a school system. Everything is made up for sight and, and for people that can read the books or can analyze things, pictures and things like that. So we went to the school in Orlando. That's why we moved it. And I started working with the, with the University of Central Florida. We find out there there was a really good judo guy called David Fukuda, Dr. David Fukuda, who is the head of research for kinesiology and in University of Central Florida. And this guy start, we started working, I started coaching grappling and MMA inside the university. And we had a, six kids and now 180 kids in, in seven months or something like this. And we started working on, there was judo as an elective class that you can go to the school and let's say you do a business administration, you take an elective class of two credit courses so you can actually do it. They usually, they actually incentivated. I wish I you. had that when I was at uni because I needed the credit points. Man. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I, needed, I needed any credit points I could have. <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. So with, with that, they had a judo class. Now we will be able to put a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class, which is, this is a big deal for it's the huge. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu yeah. community. Huge. huge. Yeah. And for the community too, because, Robert, like it or not, one day, maybe you can teach Jiu-Jitsu in the university, you know? Just you have to show that your extraordinary ability showed more than enough. And, and you, who knows, you can be teaching in a university for something like this. And so open up jobs, like it or not. And I got this collaboration with the Institute for Sports and Social Justice, which is inside University of Central Florida too. And I had a, a program inside a high school, which is a club. And it's not really, really competition oriented, right? What we have there is, we like to say, it's almost like a Barnes and Nobles with a, with the mats. I don't know if you know Barnes and Nobles. It's like a, it's like a library with a, with the mats on it. You know, there's desks everywhere, there's a couch, and there's a coffee shop. I have a, this great friend of mine, Kyle Lesher, who's actually the person that you know, brought him to the high schools. So Kyle and I started working on a match and chat clubs, and he has this coffee shop that he put, he works with special need kids. So he put all the special need kids to actually do some, make some coffee and take the coffees to the, to the teachers in the morning. So it gives them skills to work. Sometimes it's even more important than just learn one plus one. You know, it's just... 100%, yeah. Open the, learn how to open the door, learn how to, you know, making a coffee. And it, this is, for some especially need kids, that's more important than just try to push them curriculum. Which is another thing too. That, you know, many things change in, in course of years, but the classroom is still the same. You still a guy in the front mm. or the board, you yeah. know, and it, so many things to change in the classroom or education, especially in America. My my um my background is in teaching, so I teach as well. We run actually a Gracie Jiu Jitsu program. We put into into the school yeah. into a tape system here in Australia. Um, but one of the big things is I I feel as a teacher that you see is so many skill sets. The the thing that matters is only what's quantifiable. So how, how good are you at maths? Are you good at maths? Good. How good are you at English? Good. Good? Okay. But all the other skills, like your emotional intelligence and all that, that that's got nothing to do with it in education. And they're the things that really count because that's what's going to help you get through life, your, your EQ, you know, but that's not quantifiable. And we are, unfortunately, 
I can only say in in probably the Western world, yeah. it's very about that. What's quantifiable yeah. in education? It's almost like a a way to regulate the masses. You know, put everybody doing the same thing. Although you have different mental and a different skills and different abilities, but for us in the Mat Check Club, it is for example take you know take the toughness of it and how you can actually break down his mental strength not just break down we talk about one subject what motivates you what motivates you to keep on going while a lot of people quit you know why, why it's hard you know why you have to go driven how how you overcome frustration for a kid as a teenager man especially a 16 17 years old this is essential because they are they're getting out of la la land you know getting out of your mom's house where your your clothes are washed your food is on the table you know your 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 allowance in the end of the month or something like this and now you've got to work for for anything you want you got to work to be in college you've got to work to make some money to, to to go eat somewhere and like a normal adult life so it's the la la land break for the high schools that's where we work the high schools too because the Younger age groups require way more techniques to get involved with that. But with this Matt and Chat clubs, we don't teach just the technique. It's actually, it's the less of more important things. If you're just coming in, and if you don't want to train, it's okay. Sit down on the couch, but just come. Which is also one of the most important goals to try to achieve with that is to avoid the drop of the high schools. So a lot of the kids in places that we have it is... Kids don't want to go back home. Home sucks. Yeah. Home sucks. So they're wandering around and they start to join the gangs and then go to places that they feel welcome. Anything to not go home. That's it. So for us, it was like, let's create a, let's create a, almost like a student union that they can come over and, you know, they can sit down there, do your homework and hang out and do some jujitsu and, and hear some stories. But life skills, social skills, we break down this in real comprehensive booklets that would teach this these coaches how to talk about any subjects it's like boys it's like therapy you know it's, it's almost like therapy how you can improve the life we, we all know that this is therapy for us we all know if you train just for a while or train any sports you know that this helps you in so many different ways but i think i think the when you i think it is therapy but i think the stigma associated to therapy whenever it's got to do with mental health yeah. it's bad it's a bad stigma if you said it was um therapy for your ankle because you hurt it nobody would say anything and everyone would go oh cool good therapy you hurt your ankle we'll go see a physio yeah. but when you talk about it's therapy but for that your mind, but there is a big misconception there fab everybody especially in america they they treat the symptoms yeah 100 yeah, yeah 100%. you don't prevent anything yeah so imagine if you, you can start working with kids. So not influence on any shape or form of what, what the character would be, of their opinions would be, but you're talking about how you can create values that, that you see it in certain sports in a comprehensive way they can understand. Discipline, like for example, what is discipline? If you ask a kid what is discipline, they, they don't even know how to break down what is discipline means. No, discipline is something you do it every day. So you do it every day. It doesn't matter how you feel. You have to do it. You know, that's discipline. It doesn't matter how you do it. You keep on. When you do, you have discipline to do it. Self-discipline is when nobody needs to remind you that you have to do it. 
and you do it anyway. So this breakdown expression of what it is helps kids to understand how they apply this in their own life. You know, I have self-discipline because I do my homework every day. You know, my mom and my dad doesn't need to remind me to do my homework. So you apply with, with the skills like a guy like this, like Robert, what you've done in your life and you break down. And man, I, I go train, doesn't matter how I feel. Sometimes I don't want it to train, but I have to train. I go just to punch the clock. I have to do it. It's such a recipe for success. We all know this. Just keep on going till you get it. Right? And in, in the biggest things from right now, what are saying to go back, uh, comparing times, but the frustration. Everybody sees the social media. It seems like everybody is rich. Everybody's, everybody's having a good time. Everybody's getting a good time. And what is the gap of that? This is not realistic. It's an illusion. Yeah, nobody goes to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody farts. So what is that? No, man. It's reality is that not like that. You know, you're always beautiful. You have a filter. You don't even know there's a filter and everybody thinks is is wonderful. And it's not. Life is not wonderful like that. Life is life is a fight. Nature's a fight. You know, that's that's basically what it is. But how you can for us to understand a little bit more for being you know, in a certain level of training, because we all know this, training can be rough. It can suck sometimes, and you have to suck it up, and you just kept on going if you want to go somewhere with that. But how you break down one normal kid who never had any any top orientation from that? It's not just in the skills. It's way more in this moral code and this values and the character education and social skills and, and life skills. That's what a match chat will be very applicable to to normal life you don't need to be a champion which is another thing too every sport we see in universities concentrate in competition five percent of people compete five percent of people that does jujitsu or martial arts compete if you're in a competition place a really high level it's ten percent okay what happened to the ninety percent so we decided to create an event for the 90% of people. What was that? We, we created an event called Hezenha. Hezenha is a word in Portuguese called hangout. It is a hangout. We just bring everybody who likes sport. So we, we create a, a seminar. And from the seminar, we did a, a little award. But after that is the open mat. Everybody likes to train. Do it an open mat. Do it one hour open mat, 45 minutes, five rounds open mat. It's not really competition if you're a white belt you can go to open mat and hang out you know if you don't want to compete just sit down there and just hang out with people and after that we did a competition for the 10 biggest universities in florida and everybody came fam. so that's when we see them and this is it took place and besides that what we did is that Every single one of these universities, and I'm talking about big universities, University of Miami, Florida University, Florida State University, you know, all this UCF. UCF has 70,000 members, students, 70,000 students. You know, it's all this is they just blow up. They want to be part of this league that we are creating for the collegian. But every and every one of them has to choose a cause. They have to work for a cause in the community. It can be charitable or not. You know, you can, whatever cause you choose it. 
whatever it is. If you, if you decide to go for gay pride, it, it is what it is. You know, you choose a cause that you, you think your community, is, you'll be stronger and needed. And you have to prove that you're working on it. So UCF kids are working on the, with the National Federation for the Blind. I make the connection. I, the other one is doing Wounded Warriors there, which is another program for the veterans. And they have to prove that in the course of the year, for you to actually put your kids to compete, the club has to show that you're working for the cause. You have to create an event to raise money or help the cause. That's, you know, nice. and, 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 and that's it. And that's, that's I, I think that's what, it, that's what it makes it special. Because as being controversial as, as martial arts is, as mixed martial arts is, as BJJ is, is very polarized. People who doesn't know anything thinks that we're a bunch of savage, you know, just try to hurt themselves. They don't know the everyday struggles and the mental values and, and, and code of, you know, the moral code that is behind us. How often do you still get on the mats now you're training? Um, not very often. I blew up my knee. I, had, I was training wrestling. Wrestling was a passion I discovered, started training with some of the guys. I, I was competing in 2015, and I started training wrestling a lot. And I was coaching at the, at the high school, and the kid fell on my knee here, and I blew up my ACL, the PCL, and the meniscus. So I have to have that big surgery. Oh, you, you haven't know? had it? No, because I have so much going on. Mm. This surgery is like six months surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I just don't have time right now. You know, right now is not. Are you in pain? No, it, it doesn't pain, but my knee pops out. So if I'm training here, just pop, pop, and comes back again. It's just a pain in the ass. But <laughs> yeah, but nah, it's not that it was hurting as as much as it was. But I got to do something about that. It's not it just can't be an excuse. I just don't do it right now because I know that I have to. Just for you to understand, guys, I'm from here. I'm going to visit the University of Sydney. And also tomorrow I'm going to Brisbane to, to visit the University of Queensland. And they're all clubs to be, to be, you know, we're creating the clubs everywhere. You know, and I really, this is pretty news because Australia and New Zealand, it was going to be the first countries that are going to be starting to do this collaboration with the university clubs in the United States. And man, if you don't think this is going to blow up, just watch me, you know. No, no doubt it will. Absolutely. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Especially mm. knowing that it's not forever. This is, this is, sport can be just for competition, guys. You have your certain number of, of elected people that, that wants to compete and go on the highest level. But what happened to somebody who wants to do it and he's not going to get there, hmm. you know? Why not put everybody together? No, we wanted to actually bring this Hezanian over here. We wanted to do it. We wanted to do this in Australia first. So bring all the kids from, from universities there in, in the United States and come over here and do a competition in between the universities, but do this massive seminar which includes hangout. And, and there's more than that. People don't think too much, but there's so much more involved with our sport. Or mixing martial arts or BJJ. It's just there's people writing books about that. There's people on a podcast like you're doing here right now. There's people doing film about that. There's people doing art about that. You know, there's people doing so many just motivational speakers and all these things here. Everything. Music. 
music is involved in that. You know, all this is involved. Why not bring everything together? Everything that helps people to feel better, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we've got to start wrapping it up because I was going to be here all day talking for sure. <laughs> what time do you, you go to be at Sydney Uni? Um, I, I got to talk to Renato. There's his outside. He's oh. my... <laughs> no guy. worries. No, uh, thank you so much. Uh, no, no, thank you. Thank I you. appreciate it thank so you. much. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Rob. Chat. Man, I really, I really Thanks, appreciate Eloy. it, boys. Yeah. I've learned so much. Yeah. Thank you for no, today's boy, workshop. Come on, guys. Thank you. Thank that you. was so cool. That we're still on. Oh, we're still on. So don't say any crazy stuff. No, no. Any of us. Thanks, listeners. Peace.